Hey friends, it's Courtney. We just wanted to give you a trigger warning for topics on sexual assault, harassment, eating disorders, and body image. I know it sounds like a lot, but it's a really great episode. We hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome, y'all. This is Real Friends Who Read Books, the podcast where my friends and I read books and talk about them. You know, it's a book club. This week, we're getting mad about motherhood, caretaking, access to reproductive health care, and more in the second half of our two-part series on Rage Becomes Her by Soraya Shmale. I'm your host, Erica, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Courtney and Mary Page. This is Real Friends Who Read Books. These are my real friends, and we've got some books to read. Let's get mad. The back cover summary, straight from the book itself. As women, we've always been urged to bottle up our anger, letting it corrode our bodies and minds in ways we don't even realize. Yet there are so many reasons for us to feel angry, ranging from blatant acts of misogyny to the subtle drip of daily sexism in every aspect of our lives. In Rage Becomes Her, Soraya Shamale argues that our anger is not only justified, it's also necessary. When approached with conscious intention, anger is a vital instrument, a radar for injustice, and a catalyst for change. On the flip side, the societal and cultural belittlement of our anger is a cunning way of limiting and controlling our power, one we can absolutely no longer abide. All right, vibe check, y'all. How have these past couple weeks been since part one came out? What has been going on in your world? Well, (laughs) um, I have been a bit distracted and scatterbrained, but I am processing things that I've been avoiding for so long that it's, I suppose it's expected. Um, I have found a specialized therapist, so I will start working with her in August, and that's very exciting. Um, But I have been dealing with tummy troubles and a lot of tension headaches the past couple weeks. Welcome. We're so (laughs) glad to have you here. Lots of stress. But I'm looking at it as like my body is just purging all of this rage that I've been holding on to. So, I mean, it's painful now, but it'll make me feel better later, I guess. (laughs) Um, But like... It's been pretty great. Otherwise, my my mom and I have been talking through things a lot more. Brandon and I are communicating a lot better and also about a lot of the stuff that I've been through because he's always been aware of stuff that I've gone through, but not to the extent that like I'm uh, I've I've always kept it what I've shared with him to like a certain degree. I've never shared it all. So I've been way more open about that. And I think that's helped he and I. Um, and I've also had some friends and family reach out and they're expressing like their, they're telling me their experiences that they've had too. And, um, lots of people saying they want to read the book. So that's, it's all, it's all good stuff. Um, I've cried a lot lately. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I've, I've felt irrationally angry at times. Um, it's not irrational. Right. But that's the thing. I have to keep telling myself it's not irrational. It's just that like. Um, I haven't allowed myself in the past and now I am. So I'd say despite the, all of like what sounds like negative things, I feel really hopeful and like things are looking up, you know, when I, when I zoom out of feeling like crap. (laughs) You just rattled off a list of terrible sounding things with a smile on your face. And I love that. That was peak Courtney. (laughs) Yup. Yup. You're like, this guy is falling. Everything's going to be great. (laughs) Everything's fine. (laughs) But you're right. Things are looking up and you're right. It's not irrational. It is 
honestly the result of a lifetime of accumulated experiences that we are now paying attention to. Yes, exactly. So, good stuff. Love ah! it. MP, how are you? What's going on, girl? Since recording the podcast, I feel like this book has really opened up my awareness with some personal things that I have going on in the background, some things that I have repressed or whatever, whether that be anger or other emotions. So I feel like it's really brought awareness and I hope it brings awareness to other people too. And I feel like I've gotten some feedback from a couple of people and I think that's really awesome to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, yeah. Really, I've been loving that. Yeah, it's been nice in a weird way. I have been hanging out with a lot of these feelings by myself for a very long time and I don't think that I realized how isolating it really all was for me until people started sharing all of their experiences and starting conversations. Y'all know me. I've just been like muddling through this stuff for ages. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I read this book probably when it first came out and it was kind of like this personal revelation of like, wow, I've kind of been betraying myself in so many situations, but it also took me several years to really internalize that and start acting on it and, you know, in situations where I have the choice to betray my own anger and suppress it or actually hold a boundary, stand up for myself. It's taken a while to get to the point where I can like make a choice and walk away and say like, yeah, I did the right thing for myself and I really was on my own team there. But Mm -hmm. look at the growth over the past few years and also all of these cool conversations that are coming out of it. So it's been it's been a nice few weeks, but a weird few weeks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Lots of feelings. That's a really great way. That's a really great way to put it because, yeah, it feels really, really weird. Yeah, (laughs) honestly. All right. So Mm. last week we left off talking about all the ways the deck is stacked against us, how you can stay hypervigilant and still get roofied. Go listen to part one for the details on that one. And how in this game, we just can't win no matter how hard we try. Honestly, something that makes me really, really spicy about this is how differently men and women perceive this looming threat. Men think about sexual harassment and violence as a moment in time. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. But for women, we live with this constant potential of violence. It's made up of just a million tiny moments. They're all stitched together. And I am furious that we have to remain hypervigilant at all times while men get to traipse around, live in their lives mostly uninterrupted. Imagine what we could do with that brain space, y'all. Oh my gosh, I know. Having to go to the bathrooms with other girls, always needing someone, like you don't, you can't go out to the bar by yourself. You can't, um, you can't go home by yourself. You know, and if you do, there's a looming threat over you always. Right. And if something happens to you, someone will tell you you deserved it. There's no perfect victim and you'll have to, like, sit with that weight. You just can't win. Mm Mm-hmm. You can't win. Um, even when you feel like you should feel safe. Mm Mm-hmm. Like with friends, for instance. Uh, you find yourself in situations that you, you don't expect sometimes. And it puts you in this mindset that you cannot trust anyone. At least in my case, um, I've just, I just closed myself off from everyone like that if anyone's wondering why i'm (laughs) got bars around my heart (laughs) or it's hard to be my friend it's you know because i've been violated by someone that i thought was a friend so which i i wasn't sure if i was gonna share on this podcast but you know why hide it for this person you know they don't deserve that it literally 
is like a thousand moments and then some. It ruins even the best days. Ten years later, you could be having a great day and the memory comes back and that best day is stolen. Um, it's stolen because you were violated. And then even years later, they still you st- it still feels like they have that control over you. And this threat has literally stolen days, weeks, months, years. Uh, it's enraging. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. I'm very angry. Like I'm shaking angry just thinking about it because like I'll be playing with my son and having a, you know, a warm-hearted moment and then just something pops in your head and it's got like ru- ruined it, mm-hmm. you know? Um and I can only I can relate to it only in my experiences and let me tell you it makes such an impact that it's yeah, it's just it must be wonderful to have the f- the freedom that that they have. I'm angry that I can't have that because I want to fly free like a free bird. I want to fly far, far. No. <laughs> I was <laughs> fly far, far away from here. <laughs> far, far <laughs> away. <laughs> so, so I'm just gonna start making laughs like a box of chocolates. And now we just go into forest camp. <laughs> Seamlessly transitioned Courtney's into Courtney's very up. mad and uncomfortable, so now she's just saying things from... I mean, I get it. I'm furious. Yeah, this is something that's very frustrating for me, and it really sucks because I feel like I have lost so much freedom. I miss that feeling of being a kid and being completely unaware of the dangers around you. Now I feel like I'm stuck with this constant fear... I'm afraid to go out alone grocery shopping at certain times. Like, I I won't go out if it's too dark out. I can't walk around the block by myself because that freaks me out. Like, I had a white van following me one day, so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And I called my husband to come pick me up even though it was literally a street away. But now I don't feel comfortable walking Mm -hmm. my dog. Very cool. Yeah. um, I feel like I'm constantly, like, observing Anywhere I go, if I'm alone, I'm constantly observing everyone around me and checking to see if anyone's, like, following me or to make sure that I'm, like, within a group when I'm exiting. Like, it's it's crazy the amount of things that goes through my head, the amount of scenarios that I have to go to to prepare myself to feel safer about going out. I hate that I only feel safe in certain spaces, and I know there are so many other people that experience that same type of anxiety, mm-hmm. and it's unbelievably frustrating. Is it frustrating or are you mad? I, yeah. You see? Look at that. You caught me. I'm angry. Yeah. hey <laughs> We're pissed. <laughs> oh, we're pissed. <laughs> we're yeah. real mad. Yeah, I'm furious about this. I relate to all of these things so much. Countless examples of all of the times life has showed that men aren't to be trusted. She mentions in the book that researchers actually studied the relationship between the continued accumulated events of harassment, objectification, body evaluation, depression, and shame, and found that a large number of people are actually experiencing something they call insidious trauma, and over time this leads to the development of PTSD. So just for existing in the world, in their bodies, just standing still, Like, do you know how much PTSD absolutely derails your life? It feels so unfair that it can happen to you simply by just trying to exist in the world, in your body, while at the same time hearing this message from some that you should be grateful for the attention. Like, oh, you should be so grateful men are paying attention to you. Like, you're young and pretty and like, oh, it's a treat, enjoy it now. Like, I'm throwing up constantly because of this unwanted attention. Please Mm -hmm. butt out. Right. 
We're having fun here, I think, is the TLDR. <laughs> We're having a really good time, y'all. Something that really stuck with me from this chapter on gender disparity in caretaking and emotional labor is that, honestly, no. Something that stuck with me from this whole book is that it's really easy to assume progress in gender attitudes over time until you're confronted with so many examples that we have not made the progress we think we've made. And she talks about this in the context of the gender disparity in caretaking and emotional labor, but honestly, we see it across the board. She illuminated so many ways that women are expending energy to perform labor, often at great personal expense, and it could look like taking care of the kids, your elderly parents, or even coddling the feelings of the men in your lives, like the 92% of women who report faking orgasms because it boosts their partner's ego. Mm. And I would love to know what y'all think about that. Okay. Okay. Wow. I have so many feelings on this. Um, as namely a homemaker right now, I feel it all. <laughs> um, I remember when I was pregnant, I kept telling people, please make sure that I go back to work or school. Like, I don't want to get lost in being a mom. Because I knew that I would throw myself into it and I would lose a part of my identity and it would make me feel horrible because I would be mad that I lost a part of my identity. And then I would feel guilt for being mad because my son is wonderful and, you know, so you mm -hmm. get to go through that whole fun cycle. Um, and it's only three years in and I'm finally getting back into like a workflow with this podcast and, um, I've been writing and, um, I don't know. Being mom is like, is such a complicated thing because you find yourself torn into two and I really place a lot of a lot, all of it, a lot of blame on the way that our society is structured right now. I said society weird, but we'll just continue on. <laughs> society. Um, <laughs> Childcare is ridiculously expensive. Yes. Ridiculously expensive. So mm -hmm. Brandon and I, we have been talking about putting packs into school, uh, preschool, a couple of days a week because um, the podcast is getting into a point where, like, I want to put a lot more work into it, and I'm right now just working at night and waking up in the morning. Like, I'm staying up late, and then I'm waking up early to try to get time alone because he doesn't nap. And so we're talking about getting him into school, and we're looking at preschools, and they cost more than our our mortgage payment to yeah. to put him into to school and to preschool. It's literally a salary if you add it up on like an annual basis. It is mm -hmm. a full person's salary. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we're in this mm -hmm. position right now that like we can't we can't do that. Um, I'm trying to get him into a program because he has speech issues. So so we're trying to get him into a program that would be like a day a week. And the fact that I'm excited about just one day is you know it's sad. Um, I'm lucky that I have the opportunity to be a full-time mom because a lot of women, they, they don't have that option and they're giving most of their paycheck to childcare. If not all of their- Right. Mm -hmm. Just to have a little bit left to put towards, like, it, to be a single mom, I, I commend, I commend, I commend them They're hustling. So hustling. Um, yeah, I'm so lucky to be a full-time mom, but also I miss being Courtney. Like, I don't mm -hmm. know, I, I, I don't know where she is. Like, I feel her sometimes, mm -hmm. and I, I miss her. I like me. I do. I think I, I like me deep down. We like I you, too. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. 
I mean, I have my okay, moments, but like most of the time I like myself. So I would like to be myself. Um, and this leads to just so much guilt, like I said, and then resentment and it seeps into yeah. my marriage and all of these other things because I'm watching my husband get to work with adults and like make money and, you know, feel like he's productive. And for me, like, it doesn't feel like a lot. But it's so much at the same time. Like, just so much, so much work. It's your whole life. Yeah. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be taboo to be a working mom. It shouldn't be so hard to create a human and have a separate life from that. It shouldn't be a burden on my shoulders. It should be an experience. Like, it should be an experience between two partners. And the fact that we have to choose which person does what thing instead of it being a collective thing is just... I don't know. We need to make access to childcare so much better. Yes. Like, ugh. the world expects you to pick one lane mm-hmm. and stick in it, and you just cannot win. And I am infuriated that that's the case. I'm infuriated. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're working double time. We are stressed. We are exhausted. We are burnt out. I feel like we need to make things equal, and yes. that's that. I mean, everywhere I look, I see exhausted women. I know as a society, we're very hyped about girl bosses, and that is peak white woman feminism right there, mm. and I have so many thoughts on that for another day, but at the same time, we that's only beneficial for some um and we start teaching kids these gender roles very very early and then we have the gall to stand around and wonder where girls and women learned it um there was this one quote in the book that really struck me when girls play with dolls mimicking unpaid care work and boys practice professions earning a salary adults don't talk about wage imbalances so from from the time they're babies we are slotting kids into these lanes and then when they grow up and a girl you know, finds herself being a homemaker like Courtney and then says, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Maybe I want to step out of this lane and then finds it incredibly hard to step out of that lane. And we wonder like, "Mm, why is it so hard? It's because we've made it that way. Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, a a man wants to do that. And we wonder why is it so challenging? Why are we pushing back against these social norms? It should be more inclusive. Yeah. Well, let's start that early. Like let's do that from the jump. And I mean, this book does get into it of challenging the gender binary and we just need to be doing so much more of that. And, you know, Courtney, you mentioned it about learning from like our younger siblings' generations mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, we got to be doing oh, that faster, gosh, y'all. So much faster. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if there's a book out there for moms like trying to challenge binaries, like, please let me know because I've been working on that kind of stuff with PAX. I try, I tried to not use pronouns. I'm, I'm not like, if he wants to paint his nails, I let him paint his nails. If he wants to dress up, I let him dress up. And, like, I'm just, I'm not forcing anything on him. I'm letting him be himself and figure out what he likes. And it's, uh, it's actually, it's adorable to watch. I love it. I like seeing him just be himself. Um, I'm going to be sad when he jumps into the world and, like, these types of things come at him in different ways. But hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully we can prepare him to, you know, be him, be who he wants to be, whoever it is. Yeah. Like, how, whoever he ends up being whoever they end up being, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that you're doing that. And I love that. I love that Mm -hmm. Brandon likes, is into that too. Like I have a, I have a photo of Brandon painting his toenails and I think it's just the cutest thing in the whole world. That's Um, really adorable. Because not that I, not that I ever expected Brandon wouldn't be that way, but 
you know, you kind of just... But that's not how our right. partners were raised. You kind of just, you don't know what to expect in that way. And he's, like, fully embraced. Just let him pax do what he wants to do. And it's... I love it. Yeah. That's so cool. This isn't specifically on gender and kids, but there's this really good book called For the Love of Men. And it's about mindful masculinity and, like, re-envisioning what masculinity looks like for men. Because in feminism, we spend a lot of time talking about like, toxic masculinity, but we don't spend a lot mm. of time talking about, okay, well, what's the flip side of that? What do we want them to be doing if it's not toxic masculinity? And I think one of the topics we don't talk about in feminism a lot is how toxic mm-hmm. masculinity harms men. Like, yes, the focus is overwhelmingly on women because overwhelmingly women are the ones that are being harmed with this, but also at the same time, this is holding men back too. And so it's a book all about how Mm -hmm. you can create, like, a new vision for masculinity and, like, what it means to walk through the world as a male-presenting person. I will be getting that book. So I, speaking of, you know, parents bringing kids into the world, I have to ask, did you catch that stat where she casually mentions 2017 study where 37% of men believe that affordable birth control makes a difference in our lives? Only 37% in 2017. Mm. It makes me equal parts angry and terrified. Because I know these men are out here legislating our bodies, making rules about how available reproductive care is, and more. What are our thoughts on about reproductive justice, access to care, bodily another, autonomy? Another, another uh, topic where I feel like I could talk for ages first first and foremost my body is absolutely no one's business but my own uh just so y'all know where i stand on that Mm -hmm. one i didn't i don't think it's a surprise but uh the the things that are happening in texas right now for instance um i find myself i can only read into it the littlest bit because it's so enraging to me i can only take it in small slices it's it's not great um, so speaking on, uh, did you all see, uh, that high school senior's speech? I love, first off, her name is Paxton, which is like, I'm like, oh, that's great. Um, yeah, that speech that she gave, I could cry now thinking about Should it. Should we put a because, link in our show notes? Yes, let's absolutely do that. Because, um, what a brave thing to switch out your approved speech that's the kind of shit we need to be saying. Those are the types of things we need to be doing. It made me want to speak out more. It made me want to say how I feel. And, yeah, so, Paxton Smith, you are just a gem of a human mm-hmm. being. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, I'm really just, I'm riled up, and I'm tired, and I'm frightened that this push backwards on reproductive rights is, it's so detrimental, and, and... I just don't understand it. I I have a hard time understanding where people are coming from. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into the political side of it, but it makes me angry and it makes me scared. Um, Yeah, if you want to see rage, just be on the wrong side of this conversation with me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, truly. I think they need to make a male contraceptive, okay? <laughs> when she no, talks, they did. No, I know, but, like, one that they actually fucking use. Um, because I think if we just all had, like, this 
girl code where they won't sleep with a guy unless they're on the male contraceptive. Eventually, guys will, like, catch on, you know, but... How many of them do you think would lie about it? Oh, that's... Oh, fuck. See? Yeah. Listening to this, no. They're like, yeah, we know. Preaching to the choir, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't... I don't get it. Like, let us make our own decisions for our body. But yeah, Mm. men have no idea what it feels like to have something like a pregnancy be able to redefine the entire course of your life just in a second. Mm -hmm. And they don't know what it feels like to, you know, have that thought of, oh my god, my period's late. Right. My entire life is different now. And if they knew what that, like, stomach drop feeling felt like, I don't know, maybe they would care more. My life has forever changed. I can no longer make any decisions on my own. And... If even if you do go have an abortion, then you get the the thoughts of oh I'm a horrible person. Yes, the shame uh, and the shame. I'm afraid and, like, to have be sex guilty. ever again. Yeah, like all of the stuff that comes with that, it doesn't end. Or if you don't have an abortion, you want to get. Uh, let's talk about the adoption aspect of it. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna grow this this child that is part of part of me, and I'm gonna carry it for nine months, where I'm gonna get emotionally attached as well as I'm physically attached to this thing. And I'm going to go up and down hormonally, all of these things. And then after going through a very, very long um, labor, I'm just going to give it away. Yeah, it's fine. Because Chill. that's not going to affect me mentally for the rest of my no, 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 life you're at fine. all. No, or like, honestly, they're removing that from like the social consequences of the situation too. Mm-hmm. Of like, you can just do this all in a vacuum. And like, no, women, as they're in these situations, are weighing all of these things. And just... Get with it, you dummies. Yeah. Anyways, I would say that this is one topic that makes me particularly ragey, but I'm full of rage all the time, y'all. I'm just mad (laughs) at all times. So, on the topic of motherhood, I did want to spend just a bit of time talking about how society's expectations of motherhood shape our identities and that concept that we're all mothers-in-waiting, regardless of whether or not we plan to have children. I absolutely hate being put into this box. Uh, Motherhood is absolutely no joke, so... 100% I respect those who have chosen other paths in life because it is, it's not, I mean, it's a huge thing. And to expect that being a mother is the end all be all is so detrimental, so detrimental. And it puts so much pressure on, on women who maybe they don't, they don't want to, they don't want to have a kid. They don't want to bring a child into this world. Like there are so many reasons that there are so many reasons not to have a kid. There are, there are so many reasons to not have a kid. So um, to make someone, to put that pressure on children as so young that, like, the girls have baby dolls, and so they're taught that, you know, I'm supposed to be a mom, is just, makes me, makes yeah. me angry. Like, you it's can be other things, gals. You can do other stuff. Alright, so this very much resonates with me because this is actually something I am personally struggling with at the moment. So, hi, yes, I actually based my whole career off of how well it would work with once I was a mom. Because I thought this was something I was supposed to do. I didn't think having children was a choice, really, until a couple years ago. Which seems silly, but when that's all you see and that's all you know, that's what you expect to be doing. I am currently trying to decide whether that is something that I want or not. And it's not for anybody else to decide, but I feel like there's so many other societal, like, pressures and judgments if you don't have a kid. Um, And I could literally talk about this for hours, 
if you let me, because this book actually <laughs> made me want to pick up um, a book. It's called Child Free by Choice, The Movement, Redefining Family and Creating a New Age of Independence by Dr. Amy Blackstone, if anyone's interested in that and also struggles with deciding whether they want a kid or not. It's a great book with a lot of facts and, you know, what how your life would be different with or without a child. And all of the different pressures and everything that are on top of it and how to, you know, go about that. Okay, first off, didn't know that about you yeah. and your career. And I'm totally picking that book up because I also feel some kind of way about this one for sure. We are in this together, my girl. And I mean, like, my reasoning is different than yours, I'm sure. But when you're assaulted, someone takes away your choice, your power, and your body. And I've worked really, really, really hard to reclaim my body for myself over these past few years. It's a fight that never stops, and quite frankly for me, it feels incompatible with being a mom, or at least with those parts of motherhood that involve quite literally giving your body over to another being. I mean, to grow a child, birth a child, nurse a child, your body is not your own. I've watched friends go through this, and I have so much respect and love for all of the moms out there doing that, but I just cannot fathom having my body not be my own in that way. So, like, that's not to say motherhood might not be for me in, like, a different route, like adoption mm -hmm. or something, but this is just one more example of why it's nobody's decision and nobody's conversation except, like, a right. woman's. And when people butt in and they're like, when are you having kids? It's so inappropriate because it opens up this dialogue of, like, would you like to hear the reasons in which I feel very strongly <laughs> about retaining control of my body? Because... I don't think that you do at this right. family party feels like a weird time yeah, to get into it's it. Uncomfortable. <laughs> Funny. And like people call you selfish and like especially if you're like following your career. That is yeah. the biggest one. Selfish. It's and it's not. It'd be more selfish for me to have right, the baby. Right. The woman does doesn't come up to you and say, Hey, I wanna talk about if I'm gonna have a baby or not. Don't say things. Don't ask them questions. Leave them the fuck alone. Seriously, she asks for your advice. Don't do it. I'm just, I'm baffled that people are still asking that, too, because there are so many people that have health issues that can, they can't have babies. So, like, why are you asking? Right. It's like, do you want to get into my infertility <laughs> right now? Or should we do it later? Do you want me to send yes, you a calendar like, invite? It's not something I want to talk no, about that with is you. so deeply, like, uh, sorry, I'm so yes, That is so deeply personal for people. <laughs> so mad. Uh, uh. See, there are so many things okay. that we are heated about. This book covers so many topics that rile me up. And I honestly want to know, I mean, we can't cover them all. We would go on forever here. But which topics resonated most with all of you? Um, hi, all of it. <laughs> but um, most anything to do with reproductive rights, I have a lot of feelings on that. Um, motherhood, the care mandate stuff, all of that, because it's it's really prevalent in my life today. Uh, but all of it riled me up. Uh, like it was it was eye opening. It has helped me find reason in the aspects of me that sometimes feel insane. Um, like it's given me this, this hope inside that like, I know what's wrong now. It's, I'm, sh it's shrouded in rage, but I know, you know, I know where to direct it now. I know. I, yeah. Um, I've always known that I'm an angry person. Um, but it's always been like a joke kind of thing and I didn't know what to do with it. And it's mm -hmm. come out in like unhealthy ways and not cool ways. And 
Uh, so this book has been pretty great for me because it's opened a lot of things in my brain. I mean, I've been crying a lot lately since reading this, which... <laughs> I, too, um, have been crying a lot lately, so... But I, it's good, though, because I've realized I have stopped even crying. So the fact that I'm crying, it means that, like, things are working. So, um, yeah. And, Pete, did you have any topics on this book that resonated with you? Well, I think um, if you saw <laughs> the last uh, question, it's definitely the one of if you decide not to have children. I think that's mm-hmm. one that is something I'm personally dealing with, so that's why that one resonates with me. But literally all of it, the whole book, really mm-hmm. stuck with me. So I am looking forward to more picks yeah. like that you have that are like this. That makes me really happy. So. I love that you guys like <laughs> Because this is, like, one of my favorite types of books to read of, like, tell me about some kind of problem that we can all relate to and then, like, give me some information about it that helps us understand it more. And I think one of the really, really cool things about this book is it goes through so many different ways that this suppression of anger manifests in our life that almost anyone can find something in it to say, like, oh, wow, I don't know. I didn't know that I was doing that. And also, while it's doing that, it layers on she looks at it not just from the white feminist perspective and I think that that is really important and when I first read this it was a real jumping off point of realizing for me oh I have so much education to do that this experience of mine walking through the world as a woman is very different still from how a lot of other women walk through the world people who present as women and um I don't know if y'all read Hood Feminist but it's a great great book and it's all about like looking at feminism differently and reframing it and talking about topics that we don't ever talk about, um, mm-hmm. like about how white feminism and that whole girl boss culture opens the door for women to be more like men. But like, what about the women who that's not accessible to because they're a single mom and they're working two jobs and they're never going to be a girl boss. And like, that's not even what they want right. to do anyway. Like, what's feminism for them? How are mm-hmm. we making sure they're safer and all of that stuff? So, yeah, I'm so glad awesome. that y'all found something in this book. Oh, found a lot of stuff. Courtney found Courtney in this book, so. That's honestly, Courtney, damn, that's a really good one sentence. Oh, thank you. That was a great transition. (laughs) So, it's that time where you wrap things up with a one sentence summary. Let's hear them, friends. Courtney found Courtney in this book. Yeah, she did. She back. (laughs) She back. And she kind of mad. We love it. (laughs) (laughs) Progress report. Still angry about being angry. (laughs) (laughs) i love the progress report (laughs) welcome to the life-changing magic of expressing your anger love it (laughs) all right that is that for that we hope you are still as mad as we are and if you are let us know we love to hear from y'all as always, we will be dropping our upcoming reads in the show notes if you want to read along for next time. Coming up next, we've got Dead Until Dark. And then People We Meet on Vacation. And then How to Do Nothing, Resisting the Attention Economy by Jenny O'Dell. We're real friends who read books. I'm Erica. I'm Courtney. And I'm Mary Page. Get to reading. We'll see y'all in two weeks. Bye. 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 Bye.
If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and follow wherever you listen to podcasts. If you find yourself on Instagram, check out our page at realfriends underscore podcast. And we can't forget our special thanks to Brandon Schmuck for our theme music, even though you continue to remain a man. (laughs) It doesn't get old. (laughs) We still appreciate you. Hey Paxton, it's Mommy. If you find yourself stumbling across this episode in the future, I want you to know that Mommy loves you and is very happy that she's had you. None of this rage is aimed towards you if you ever listen to this. I waited a very, very long time to be ready to have you and you're the greatest choice that I've ever, ever made. Love you, babe.